Welcome back to the DIY Entrepreneur's Reaction Show. I'm so glad you decided to tune in with me today. Go ahead and hit that like button and become a subscriber to the channel if you're not already a subscriber. I would really appreciate that. Today I have a special guest for you. We have the CEO of Hampton Adams, Mr. Seneca Hampton, and he's going to share a little bit more about his experience on the Shark Tank episode, and if you did not see that, there's going to be a card up above so that you can make sure you watch that video, but he's going to be talking to you about his experience in the Shark Tank, and of course, you know, we got some questions for him that we were talking about as, as we were watching the pitch, so uh, welcome, Mr. Seneca Hampton. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I, I, I saw your episode of the reaction, and I was like, that's so cool. I want to I want to reach out to her, and uh, and I did. Here we are. Wonderful. I'm so glad you did. Um, and we're just going to be talking a little bit about your experience. If you could just share with me, I know when we watched the video, when we were watching the pitch, uh, you were sharing some of your numbers because, of course, that's the most important thing, right? Being on the Shark Tank, they're always going to ask about those numbers. And so at the time of the taping, when you when you were on the episode, you had $5 million year to date, and then you were looking to close out the year with $6.2 million. Uh, where are your numbers at now? So when the year closed out, uh, we closed out at six seven six point seven. And I gave the Sharks a conservative number of 6-2. My real goal was 8, but I, I had some, some feeling. I was like, okay, inventory is running a little low. I don't know if we'll be able to hit So I was like, let me throw 6-2 at them, and, and we ended at 6-7. At 6-7 for the year. Wonderful. So that makes your, your – I, I remember you said you had a lifetime – Go, I mean, a lifetime sales of twelve point two. So you're almost at that twenty. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. Um, to, to <laughs> now, um, since the show, we're at this, like fifteen, fifteen million. Fifteen million lifetime. Wow. And what? When did you start Hampton Adams? I started Hampton Adams six years ago. Six years oh. ago. Six years. $15 million, people, that is an accomplishment, and that's, that's commendable, um, uh, Seneca, for you. So tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey and how it led you to starting Hepcom Adam. Um, where do I start? So I, I, I'm one of eight kids, and I grew up uh, as the lazy one was my title. Um, all of my, my, my brothers and sisters, um, hard work and, you know, they weren't afraid of hard work. Uh, but, you know, my dad would come to me and go, hey, we're going to, my dad worked construction when I was younger. Hey, we're going to go, go work construction. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> not happening. Um, I remember them bringing groceries home and I'd put them on a skateboard and scoot them in the house. And they'd be like, pick the groceries up and take them in the house. And I'm like, it's just more efficient this way. So I think from a young age, I was always like, I saw my dad working, singing for the bone, and I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. This is, that was really hard. I don't know how he wakes up every day to do that. And so from a young age, I was like, I want to do something where I could be at a computer. That's what I was, like I told myself as a kid. And um, as I got older, I mean, we, we'd want things, and my dad would say, 
figure out figure out how to make some money to get it. And my mom was like, oh, I'll show you. So we would sell candy bars and, and anything we could sell at school or wherever to, to be able to, to make a little bit of money, we do. Um, and that's actually how my, my youngest brother, um, believe it or not, he's the youngest out of all of us, he got his car before all of us, um, <laughs> selling candy bars. Um, and not only that, he got he had four cars before any of us had a car. And uh, it, did y'all sell it? Was he the one that kept, kept selling? I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was the one that was like he, he was very entrepreneurial in how he did what he did. did. Wasn't afraid of hard work. And when he set his eye on something, he wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't and wouldn't stop till he got it. And so um, it kind of ran in our blood. It's just kind of you learn to. To, to shake, shake and jive and move and and I was always like, yeah, I don't want to have to do that. But as I got older, I realized sometimes, as my dad would say, you got to do what you don't want to do, um, mm-hmm. or you got to sit in a cage with a monkey to get what you want. Is how. Oh <laughs> that's wow. How would, <laughs> that's how he put it. Um, you want the banana? Sometimes you got to sit in a cage with a monkey to get what you want. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Um, and so as I got older, I started a couple of companies. I started a record label uh, that flopped. Uh, <laughs> I started a a t-shirt company um, that did well, but I had no idea how to manage money, and I blew through all that. Um, after that, I started a um, website design branding company, and I realized working individually one-on-one in that capacity was not what I was built for. Um, and... Uh, after that, I had I had kind of given up, and there were a lot of other little businesses and ideas all the way, but I kind of given up, and um, I ran across someone who showed me a video. And it was how you could start your own brand and sell products online. No way! When I saw that video, I I, I was hooked. I was like, this is it. This is the lazy way for me to make what I want to make and not have to. And so I poured everything I did, um, I had into it, and uh, fast forward, here we are today. Congratulations on that. All right. And now, what you said something that was interesting to me as far as managing money with a first business. I want to somehow, I'll probably circle back to that, um, just in giving some tips and some things that you've learned and how you change your management in with this. Fifteen million dollar company that you have. How you got better at that? Because of course that's that's an important thing to be able to to have fifteen million dollar company. You have to be great with money, right? Or or have someone on the team that's good with money. And yeah. so we would like to hear some of those pointers as to what what you changed and uh, what you realized about that. So one of the books that really really inspires inspires still to this day is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It changed my whole life. I read it, and I had no idea what passive income was. I had no idea about financial education. I had, But I knew that I wanted something, and he put a name on it, and I said, that is it. That's it right there. And so it led me down this path of trying to understand more about money, and I think growing up, there was never really a education to money. It was just make money, spend money, make money, spend money. And I remember I actually took accounting and I was excited about accounting. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to learn how to, to manage money. Needless to say, it was boring, but 
I remember going up to my teacher after after class, and I said, hey, and I think he worked at uh, Hewlett-Packard, HP, as an accountant. And I said, hey, who is the most valuable person in the, the finance department? What is the skill that you need to have? And he said, cash flow management. He said, if you can learn cash flow management, you will make the most money in the finance department because every business has to manage their cash flow. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> And so I set out kind of on a journey to understand cash flow management. I read, I don't know how many books that I've read on cash flow management, um, independent, like individual financial management, um, books on uh, corporate money management, boring books, just to try to like seek to understand how it's managed. And you don't really, you can understand the concepts. They make sense. And you have to implement them in your own life before they make sense of business. Mm -hmm. that, that was number one. And so I had to get my own financial situation in order. And even, I didn't have a lot of finances at the time, but I can tell you I wasn't spending them frivolously on whatever I wanted to spend them on. It, it, I had a budget that I was working through. Um, I, I was paying off my little credit card debt. Like I had a whole plan that I had to stay disciplined to. I was hungry. Well, you, you, you can't yeah. afford to do that. Um, and that kind of tapped into the other side of if you don't make enough, go make more. And that was a new concept for me, right? It was I go to my job, they pay me, they don't pay me enough. I want to raise. And it's like that's not their responsibility. <laughs> right? if, if you accepted what they paid you, that's what you accepted. So if you need more, you need to go out and try to find more. Um, you can't blame them for paying you something that you accepted. So there's a lot of... Uh, shift on my individual taking responsibility for my for my life and my actions and where I was and what I was doing and that shifted my mind totally. It was like I can't I got I can't blame anybody. Mm -hmm. So all that happened um, and I'm and I'm and I'm learning all this stuff and as I start to grow this business and I'm seeing success, I'm looking at the cash and I'm going. I had already strengthened that muscle of self-restraint and discipline. So you see 10, 5, 50, 100, whatever thousand dollars, you don't really get excited because you know, that's not mine. Yeah. That's the business's money. Mm -hmm. And I have a plan in place, just like my own personal finances, that I'm managing to grow the business. So um, mm -hmm. hopefully that, that, that helps um, to, to sh shed some light. Yeah, I like that. You, you, you. Um, and just to sum it up, you said you read some books. Uh, you, you learn and you got some key concepts. Uh, you understood the discipline it needed to take. You, you had to kind of reflect back and, and, and install that discipline with your personal. And then it made more sense as you're going through it in the business. And once it got to the point where it was excitable in the past. It was that restraint that you had from building that muscle. I like that you used that word, that muscle, and uh, restraining yourself and not getting too excited because you got a, a lot of, you see some commas in the back. <laughs> yeah. I forget who said it to me uh, or where I read it. Um, it it might have been Rich that for that, but money is a tool. Yes. When do you ever see anybody running around with a hammer? Ah, oh, I got it. You, you, right? You would be like, sir, calm down. It's just a hammer. And when you see money as like, it's just an instrument, 
I don't really get excited about the, the, the size of it. It's just an instrument for me to be able to use to do X. That's mm-hmm. it. And it was a mindset shift that, that mm-hmm. I had to believe except in, like, it ain't, it's not easy, right? I mean, now I've been, I've been doing it for, what, six, six years? So at this point now, it's, it's kind of like second nature. But at the beginning of it, when you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, a, a, a week in sales passively, and you see it coming into your bank account, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's $12,000 in there. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Not sure. That's the feeling that you got to fight and like, okay, where's my plan? Stick to my plan, and it becomes very unemotional, and you you gotta you gotta detach. <laughs> I like that. It's just a tool. It's something that you use to get what you need, what you want. Good stuff. I know a question that I've always wondered uh, with Shark Tank participants: How much, or or maybe just for you, how long was your pitch? In total. Uh, so this, so the saying which with Shark Tank is. It's like Fight Club. It's like Fight Club. Yeah, you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> that Brad Pitt movie is. Not, they say they say basically, um, you know, what was on the air you can discuss, but uh, what was not you can't. But to answer your question, um, it went on for a while. It was it was it was an hour, two hours, somewhere in it was somewhere in there. It was you lose track of time. I will tell you that you really lose track of time when you're there and the conversation that you're having, you forget you're on TV and you're, you're just talking and, 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 uh, answering questions. And I wish I w- you'd have to experience it to feel the intensity of the questions that are coming because it, it seems very clean, excuse me, but it is, it is, Wait. Yeah, you having to switch? Wait, huh? Yeah. Okay. Wait. Okay. One second. Like you're you're having to. to if you don't know your stuff, you gonna get like you see people on TV sweating bullets. Like I can see why you would because you fumbled one spot and you you just continue to fumble and fumble and fumble and it. Yeah. So <laughs> I was what I was most nervous about. Okay. Mhm. Is ruining my my pitch. That was what you were most nervous about. Okay. Most nervous was ruining the pitch. Everything after, I've been doing it for years. So for me, it was like I sit up at night thinking about this. Mm. What question do you understand? Uh, so you know they don't stop filming. So you, you you stutter, you fumble, you trip. You that could end up on TV. <laughs> that was the problem. Yeah, I hope they edit it. <laughs> yeah, I hope they edit that out. Oh, man, one of the questions that I was going to say to the end was going to ask you what was one of the good things that they didn't share on air that you could share with us, but we won't get a chance to hear that. Okay, good, good. I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, well, so since you can't tell us what happened on the um, pitch, coming out, and like you just said, you, you do this in your sleep. You know, you're always ready to talk about your product, ready to talk about your business, bring on a potential partner. And so I can understand when you're in that mode, you're just ready to go. Uh, was there anything after you walked out that tank that you wished? It's like, ah, I didn't even mention this. Or what, what was it 
is it something that you didn't mention? So, if I could go back in time, mm-hmm. I think there. It, it's tough. It's tough to answer because you you replay the entire conversation in your head and you're high on like adrenaline the entire time. So coming down off of it and trying to 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 really like relive the experience and the conversation is tough to do. But if I had to go back, <clears throat> I think I would have. We we talked about the plan of you know, what the cash was for. And I would have leaned harder into uh, sales channels. I would have leaned much harder into sales channels, I think is, is what I learned. Um, it, at the end of the day, the sharks want to get a return and they want to get a return quickly. They don't just want a return, they want to return quickly, right? Gotcha. Um, they don't mind purchasing something, growing it to be big, and then selling it later, but it's got to be something that's proprietary or something that they feel their their money is safe in the meantime during that build. And so um, had I leaned more into the channel, the I don't think that the cut would have come out the way that it came out because it came out as a margin problem. But the part that isn't discussed is – when you're it's it's like 20% margin on that channel is actually amazing number 1 but number 2 is when you're growing 300% every year trying to keep up with 300% growth on a 20% margin is where you go oh okay. that makes sense right um to give an example right let's say the first year you do 100,000 Right, uh, and let's say you make twenty thousand dollars off of that hundred thousand, twenty percent. Well, now the next year, um, by the way, your inventory cost is about twenty percent. So it's twenty thousand for inventory that you spent, and then twenty thousand dollars in profit. Mm-hmm. Well, next year you grow three hundred percent, so you grow to three hundred thousand. Twenty percent of three hundred thousand, sixty thousand. So you only have forty. Oh. And so now do that the next year. Right, and so now you you see the problem now is like, oh, you grow from three hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand, twenty percent, right? One point or what is that? Uh, one hundred eighty thousand. Oh, hold on, you won't, you can start to see now where it's like, okay, that starts to snowball really heavy, really fast on that tight of a margin. In that context, is when they go. I need to come in now to, to be able to supplement that additional, right? And I think that's where they were like, do I want to take that long ride? How high will that go before it starts to plateau, right? And then when you say you're only on one channel, they go, there's other channels. What if the same thing happens on other channels? That's money out of my pocket that I got to put in to keep up with this growth. The growth is good, cool, it's great, it's amazing. But then you look at it and you go, is it a proprietary software? Is it a patented whatever, right? And that's where I think that they kind of had to make their their, their judgment. But, um, yeah, if I could, I, I would have leaned more into the benefit of other channels. Example being, if I would have leaned into, hey, if we, just, if we simply sell through our website, my margin doubles. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Amazon, right. Mm-hmm. right. If I hey yeah, we're doing 100% here, but if I move 40% to 
website, retail, wholesale, I basically increased my margin by like 70%, something insane. So had I leaned harder into that, I think I probably would have had a better chance of them going, okay, I will take that ride with you and risk the channel diversification to be able to. So if I could go back, I think that's probably what I would have done. Um, a little bit different, but hindsight 2020 and uh, you, you live and you learn. It's so true. You you mentioned um, patent and proprietary. Now, I, I remember in the pitch, you said that you have a different type of adhesive on your taste, and that's what makes it different. Um, and then you said, is is it you can't patent it, or did you just have it? No, you can't. You can't. No. Okay. No. And, the, and this is kind of what makes the whole brand unique is – we're using adhesives that's typically used in a different way, mm-hmm. in a different industry, for different things in this industry. And that's what's getting the effect, right, that people are experiencing when they use it. Um, a lot of sports brands use a specific type of adhesive um, because it sticks really well. Okay, it sticks really well, but then it takes your hair off, right? It's hard as a tear right? Um, it sticks to the roll and it won't come off. And so it has all these issues. And so in my search, I went through, like I told him, I went through, I don't know, 30, 40 factories trying to find the right formula to get it to work. And um, I finally found it and I had athletes test it and try it. They loved it. Um, we have an athlete right now um, at, I think it's Utah University, who, who just tried our, our tape to the gymnast. She's like, I love this. This is, this is great. This is amazing. And, and I, I think... For a lot of people, they think, oh, it's just tape. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, people who are using athletic tape either are trying to pre- prevent an injury from happening or they're trying to um, stabilize something that is injured. So to an athlete, it's not just tape you're talking about. It's their ability to do what they do. Right. So it's a bigger deal than just, oh, that's just tape by it. Here. Um, so that people are very athletes are very particular about the brands that they like because they perform differently on them and they make them feel a different way. So hmm. okay, and and you you also said and and I remember in the pitch you mentioned testing, and that's a that that's definitely a major part in any product you know getting any product to market. Tell us some of the um, things you learned in te- in the testing phases. Uh, you just mentioned you went to 30 to 40 different um, factories to try to get what you got now. Tell us what else you learned in that testing uh, phase for that, and how did you do that? Yeah, so I feel like there's two parts of it. There's, um, like, product safety, like there's safety tests that you run to make sure that the product is, especially when it goes on the skin or in the body, right? Those places, you got to test the product. Um, in a lab or in some sort of clinical or controlled environment for them to be able to give you, this is safe (laughs) for human beings. And then there's the customer side of it, right? I'm a big believer in um, the customer being right. And I think any product we buy, we don't buy it because somebody else made it for themselves. They, They made it for you. It's solving your problem. It's solving your issue. So, um, one of the things that I did was, before I even went to go and try to find a factory, is I sat down and I said, what are the problems with this product? And so I 
found a bunch of athletes and where they hang out online, and there are groups, thousands of people, right? There's tons of reviews on different websites. There's tons of questions and Q&As. And I sat and I just read and read and read and read. And you start to see things pop out that people don't like. And they didn't like that they couldn't hear it. And they didn't like that it was taking their hair off. And they didn't like that. There's so many, like, all those things. And I was like, hmm, why can't anybody solve that? Like, you see a clear theme in that testing side. And so then what you do is you try to find a product that solves those problems or you manufacture it to solve those problems. Then you take it to those same customers and you give it away for free. This is the cost of yeah. doing business. Yeah. It is what it like, I don't want to say it is what it is, but um, if you want to skimp out on is this product the right product for the customer you're trying to serve, you lost already. Mm. I would say 80% of a business is uh, customer, like problem solving, market fit, they call it, right? Is that's 80% of the game is right there is does it, does it fit? Does it solve? Do people, do people and, and so um, I, I took the different products that I had. I had no markings on any of them, and I just gave them to people in sets. And I said, try this out, try this out, try this out, try this out. Everybody came back with one winner. And I, knew, and I was like, okay, there was a sticker on it. So I knew who it was from. I was like, this is the one right here. This is the formula. This is it right here. And uh, I went and I, I listed it. And I, and I and this is where copywriting comes in in sales and marketing. You can't just have a good idea. There's a 20%. Yeah. How do you now communicate that idea? So I listed it and uh, tried my best to communicate the idea. And my first batch of inventory was gone in a week. Because you were giving it away? No, because it's all. Oh. Oh, this is your after you test it. This is when you found that that, that was the Eddie. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. And you went right back to the people that tested it. You told them, you know, just kind of what it was. And then, and you said you did that without any marketing on the packages? You just kind yes, of. No marketing. So, so I gave them um, yeah. practice. No, I would say practice, but they were test kits. So it was like, here's eight different tapes. I want you to try all of these out, doing what you do actively, and tell me which one you like. Some of them said, this one fell off. Like, I was trying to, I was working out, this one fell off. Somebody said, I taped my cleat, this one just kept falling off. Somebody said, I couldn't tear this one, I didn't even want to use it. And so they, they went through it, and they're literally going to tell you, this is the one that I like the most. Mm. I'm like, okay. The people who use it for what they're using it for are telling you what you need it for, um, or what they need it for, simple. Um, you don't have to guess. Don't don't guess. I don't guess. I don't like guessing. <laughs> give me that. Give facts and, and deal with facts. Um, that's good. Okay. So testing is definitely uh, important for anybody. And how many iterations of your tape have you had? Like, have you had to go back and change the formula? No. No. The one in the six years. Nope. Nope. Some good tape. <laughs> it, 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 I got. I don't want to say I got lucky, but it took it took persistence, and it took. Mm -hmm. I'm not stopping until I solve the problem. Mm. It. I'm not going to stop. How long before the six years? So before day one, you start selling what you had, and in between, from the time that you were testing, how long was that process before you hit the market? That was probably like a nine month process. Ah, 
good to know. I spent, and that's the, the, the product research phase, right, the, the market research phase. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time. It is boring, I'm not going to lie, um, but it is the 80. It's the 80%. You get that wrong, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter what you think it does. Very frankly, as nice as I can, no one cares what you think, hmm. right? It's what the customer thinks. So if the customer thinks it's great, it's great. doesn't matter if you, oh, I think it's fine. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay. They're the one giving you the money for the product, so you don't want to listen. That's, that's your prerogative. Good stuff. Um, and in addition to Shark Tank, I also watched The Profit with Mark Lamont. Have you ever heard of that? Have you watched that? If I could meet one person and follow him around mm. for free, it would be Marcus Lamontis. I would literally just follow the dude around and be like, I just want to hear everything that you're saying to people. What do you need me to do? You need anything trash? I will do whatever you need me to do. I just want to pick your brain. That's one person's brain that I'm like, <laughs> I'd love to pick it. You know, he's from, I think he's from Chicago. Yeah. I believe he's from Chicago. I believe. I'm not sure, but I believe he's from Chicago. But in on the process, he always talks about the three P's of business, uh, the people, process, and product. And in your six years of business, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe people were the most important thing in the first, in, a, in, in the first part. And then it became the product, or maybe for you it, it seems like the product was the most important in the beginning. You're doing your research, but at what point in your six years, people, process, and product, do you think was the most important to you getting to this 15 million, you know, lifetime sales? So I think at the very beginning, product, okay. right? The very beginning, product, and I think it depends on the business too. So I have a separate business that is, I have 50 employees. Mm-hmm. That's a people. That's a people business. Gotcha. And it's a service, so they deliver the product. So it's a people first, right? Um, but for me, <clears throat> product was at the beginning. Once I nailed down the product, it became process, right? How do I distribute this product? How do I um, brand this product? What are all the marketing materials that go in? How do I account for this product? How do I? So all the process that went into it, right? Luckily, okay, so this is the other thing that you guys don't hear on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. So this <laughs> is business, and this is, I, I'm, I'm, I say this to people, and they literally go, yeah, no, you're, you're not telling the truth. I go, no, I am. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making it up. I, if I could have you follow me around, I would. This business takes 15 to 30 minutes a month to run at this point. To take business? You brought in eight million. Oh wait, no, that was just you brought in six point seven by doing thirty. Did you say minutes a month? Month. Yeah, with no employees. <laughs> Do you so, even? So, eat? I, so I don't have them. I don't have any employees for this business, right? But that that process part became very important. But I had a goal in mind when I started it because I, I said I wanted to have – I'm the lazy guy. I was like, I want to have a business that makes me money that I don't have to get up and go work at construction at 4 in the morning, right, and bust my back. So I built it purposely in that way. Mm. Now, as I'm getting to this spot where we're having to expand channels, guess what the third P is now that matters? Oh, yeah. 
So now I'm getting to this part now where it's like, okay, we're now expanding channels. Now we need to focus on the people side of it because the people are going to take us to the next level on where we need to be. So, and then I think we'll have a, a, a cool little cycle going on in the people product process, people product process. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's important ever since I heard that with Marcus, you know, and that's what the, the DIY entrepreneurs is built on is just, it's starting at that foundation. Yeah, we're doing it ourselves. DIY, do it yourself. You know, because you're just scrapping up. You're trying to save money. So as much as you can do, you're doing it yourself. When you get to another level, in order to scale and get to another level, you have to do a little bit something different. So it's another level, you know, you go to, and that's why our logo is kind of like that ladder because it's steps to it. You know, and entrepreneurship is a journey. If not, you have people out there that come to the market and is blessed and <laughs> knock it out the park, and they believe that they didn't did some work. But then you have people like you spent almost a year in product research, you know, and and really taking the steps. Um, and now you're looking to sell. Now that's a whole nother level, right? Um, and so not just starting the business and then running the business. But now you're looking to sell. In your experience with coming out, the last thing we heard from the Shark Tank, you said out of your mouth that you were going to take their um, advice and you were going to look to sell. How is that coming? So before I had gone on there, <clears throat> I had spoken to uh, companies to sell the business. Okay. So um, uh, I went on Shark Tank to go, Maybe I could find an investor on Shark Tank instead of selling it. So when I heard what they said, it was almost like confirmation. Confirmation that was like, okay, mm. okay. Um, so I've the process going uh, to sell a business is. I don't want to say it's straightforward, but there's information that they request from you that you should have. Right. Um, they want all of your uh, corporate documents, so you know your EIN. The, the, the letter the IRS sends you with your EIN on it, right? They want your state docs. Um, uh, they want any trademarks that you have. All of your legal documents in order. They want your books from you, and they want them in accrual accounting. They don't want them in, in cash accounting, right? Um, they want your inventory, right? Your, your um, how are you forecasting? They want your SOPs. So how are you doing what you're doing? What's the process? Um, they want all your numbers. Like, it's a pretty straightforward process. All of your assets, your pictures. Um, uh, if you bought any any uh, photography or footage, you need to have a contract or something in place showing you own it. So you just got to have all that shored up and lined up for them to do what they call due diligence. Gotcha. So they come in, and they look at everything, and they make sure that what you say is true, mm -hmm. and that there isn't anything lurking in the shadows that they don't that they should know about that they don't. Um, they want to know everything from your supplier to your end customer, the list that you have. They want to see it all. So you kind of are open bare for them to see because they're about to spend money to buy it. Uh, and so once they go through that, then uh, in, it, it depends on the top line revenue of the business. The more revenue you make, there's different ways that they um, value the business. The less you make, they tend to do it on something called EBITDA or SPE. Uh, and EBITDA is basically earnings before taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then your SPE is like seller discretionary earnings. So your profit 
basically the same thing before you pay taxes. Okay. And then they'll basically put a multiple on that number, and that's what they want to buy it from you for. And that's if you're not selling. That's if you said that's that. If you're, if you're in a lower um, top line revenue. So, yes. you know, um, companies that are doing 40, 50, 60 million, they're not talking about an EBITDA or an SDE. They're talking about what's your revenue, 40 million, then they're going to multiply that times something. And that's what you they want to buy it for. But when you're on the lower side of it, they go, what's the EBITDA? Because that's what I can see that, and I'll give you a multiple on that. So that process is <laughs> unique, I will say. Um, very unique, and it's another thing to learn because you're having to, again, separate your emotions from what you created. Mm. Because someone is valuing what you made, yeah. and they have a different interpretation of what it's worth to you. And so there's a lot of, I feel like entrepreneurship is a lot of like internal beliefs and conflicts and things that you have to like resolve. And, and mm -hmm. one of them, big one is separating your emotions from logic. If you can't do that, forget mm -hmm. about it. There's gonna be a lot of things that make you feel some type of way or make you feel upset or angry or sad or mad or, or but you have to continue to operate and if you can't make that you know compartmentalize or make that separation it's gonna be tough um but yeah the process is interesting for sure to go through um i've gone through it with a couple of companies and they uh it's, it's a sales game and so everybody has their unique style and way of doing it um yeah here's what we want to do but wait there's more Mm. You guys never said that, but that's a negotiation tactic. So you, you go through all this stuff just to get to the end of the rainbow for them to go, I was thinking about a pocket full of cash, and you're like, you didn't say that at the beginning. You said it was X. Oh, yeah, well, we uh, – no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Um, so we're currently in talks with about four other companies at the moment right now to kind of see uh, what's up. But if that doesn't work, well, you know, keep on growing that's it. That's it. And are you, uh, if it doesn't work, uh, and, and you're hoping to sell the company though, right? You want to sell the company, right? I'm open. Okay. You're open to running I'm, it too. You're open. I'm open, I'm, 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 I'm open either way. Um, okay. I had a, a, a mentor. He was actually, uh, I'll call him a mentor. Uh, he was my boss and, uh, he, he said, always run things in parallel. Mm. He said, you want to solve a problem? Don't just try one solution as this is because then you rely on that to work. And if it doesn't work, now you're distraught. He said, come up with multiple options and run them all at the same time. No and he said, see which one you like. Give yourself options. That's tough. Okay. Um, anything else you would like to add? I'm, I'm looking through my notes. But anything else you would like to add? Um, yes, Shark Tank was so much, Shark Tank was so much fun. If mm -hmm. I could do it again, I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was like, not a fairy tale in the sense of the show, but a fairy tale in the sense of you're whisked on and whisked off. Mm -hmm. It happens all so quick that, that it, it, it feels like a roller coaster. It is a lot of fun. Um, if if uh, so, a couple of things I do want to say. Yeah. So there was a moment on the show where I'm looking over at Robert, and I think they actually put this in the show. 
it's actually in the uh-huh. dealership. And he says something, and I look over at him, and in my mind, I'm seeing him as if I'm sitting at home from the camera angle that I'm standing. I know what you're talking about. Like, I'm looking at him right now, but this is the exact shot that would be on TV. So I, I like, I had to, like, jump back in my mind and be like, okay, you're standing here right now. That's pretty trippy. Let me continue doing what I'm doing. Um, that was a really, really cool moment that I had. Um, yeah. And uh, the last thing I would say is if you want to go on Shark Tank, like, know your business. Because if you don't know it, what you see, what you see is what is digestible. But what you experience is not easy to do. And I will just say you, it can easily make you fluster. And that's when you see people who just seem out of sorts. Yeah. It can easily get you there because sometimes you, you don't even get to answer, finish answering a question before another one is thrown at you. And then when that one's happening, someone else is yelling at something else, and then you're like, and so you, it's it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, if you think it's just going to be very, it is not. But it's mm. fun. It's kind of fun. Good. You know, when you were the first point that you made, when you said you saw yourself like you were watching them from TV, I remember a moment during the pitch that they showed. And uh, it was the question. You was like, well, I got a question. Would you buy it? I love that moment. I said, I know this, right? <laughs> I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. To, to ask that question, I mm. was nervous about it. Mm. But, but I, who, who was it? Mark Cuban says it. He said, uh, if, if, some, he said if, you don't have to, if someone doesn't have to deal with the consequences of what they're saying to you, you probably shouldn't listen to what they're saying. Mm. So I was thinking, telling me to sell it. Would you bet? <laughs> you that right? Yeah. Well, what's the worst you can say? No? Yeah. All right, cool. You know, no is a no. Um, mm. I uh, think that was just bold. Yeah, that was... I, 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 it wasn't on the air, um, mm-hmm. but uh, at one point, I started asking them questions, and, and some of the questions were, uh, were, were education questions. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, I, like I told them on the show, my, I, I don't call it my superpower, my secret is learning. Yeah. I never stop learning. I never know enough. I never know too much. I, I don't have to listen to anybody. I, I will hey, Mr. Wonderful, so if you were in my position, like, what do you think you could do to solve it? Like, like, <laughs> like I, I want to know what you – because when you think about it, this is an opportunity that you have to pitch your business. Yeah. But knowledge and wisdom are more valuable than money because it'll help you to make the money, right? Yeah. But if somebody is making hundreds of millions of billions of dollars and they didn't already did it and you didn't ask because you were afraid of how you – I don't care what y'all think I look like. <laughs> I'm going to ask this man right now. I need your advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's when you know you – God put you in a room for a reason. You ain't just in there to just soak it up, like, you know. Do some things. How did you feel when Mark 
remember when he said, yeah, you said something about selling, and he said, um, okay, when you do, will you come work for me? Like, did you even kind of, were you excited about what he said, or how did you take that? Um, I was excited about it. I, I um, let, let, me, let me say this. Uh, I was caught off guard. Mm. Um, <laughs> I will just say I can't speak on that. Gotcha. Understood. That's what I'll say. I'll say I can't speak on that. So I can interpret that however you want to interpret it. But I'll just say I can't speak on that piece. I was very taken back by the stuff that they were saying. I didn't expect any of that at all from them. Um, yeah, and, and my wife goes, she said, I've, I've watched every single season. She says, I've never seen them sit there and talk about to someone the way that they sat and talked to you. And you're like, oh, yeah, you don't mind if you don't tell me that. That's okay. But my phone, my DMs, like my, my email, everything is just so many people with so many positive things to say that I didn't expect it at all. And as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for opportunity. I'm looking for, you know, but I, I, I always have that side of like um, risk mitigation. So I'm always like assess, assess. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I can't edit this, this shoot. So I don't know what the edit is going to turn out. So the story could be, you know, it was, okay. and the story came out and it was edited and I have my way I feel about it. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I would have did that. I probably would have did. And everybody was really, really nice. Um, Especially the sharks, they were like, they were so nice. They were so 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 nice. Even Mr. Wonderful's deal was made to look sharkier than it was because there was context to it that he was given. That actually he was when he said, "Like I'm the only one that believes in you." There was context to what he was saying, and it was actually, yeah, he was a good he was a good dude, really good dude. Good stuff to know. Good stuff to know. But thank you so much, Seneca, for joining us here at the DIY Entrepreneurs Reaction Show. I really do appreciate your time. Uh, where can we find you? I know you said the tape, uh, the, Hamptons, the Hampton Adams tape is on Amazon. Uh, have you looked into other channels to, to sell it, or is that the only place we could buy it? Yeah, so if you want to purchase any of the Hampton Adams products, uh, if you want to help the business, Purchase the website. <laughs> uh, the website, uh, HamptonAdams.com. Uh, we're also on eBay. Uh, it's easier for some people to like eBay. Um, and we're trying now to get into Walmart, into Target, uh, into different places to see, um, expand the, the sales channels to, to, to see what we can do. Um, if people want to get a hold of me, uh, Instagram, at Seneca Hampton. Uh, you hit me up, uh, and then uh, on YouTube, YouTube too. Um, I'm making videos to people who've asked me, like, "Hey, how did you how did you build a business that's like you did 50 million dollars and no employees and start, like how the world did you do that?" So um, I decided, all right, I'm just gonna start taking people through it. So you might find videos of how tos of me talking about how Amazon works and how you can create a private label brand, um, your own brand, to be able to to sell products uh, all over the, the country from the comfort of your laptop. Good stuff. I'm sure you're going to have some people checking you out for that class, you know, for that, for showing you how to, and you said that's on your YouTube? Yeah, so it's all free on the YouTube. Free! Free 99. That's always in the budget. 
$3.99, always in the budget. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, um, Seneca, for stopping by and sharing your experience with us, giving us some information, us DIY entrepreneurs that we need as we um, continue in this entrepreneurship journey. Uh, I certainly wish the best for you and your family, your businesses, and I do hope that whatever channel, whatever lane you're going in, however God wills for it to happen, you're good with that. Um, thank Amen. you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me.